Jesus, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Jesus, we ask for a tangible move of your spirit in this place today as we have gathered in your name. Lord Jesus, right now I ask that you would filter every word that comes out of my mouth today, that it would be pleasing to you, and I pray for the hearer of your word that they would receive from you exactly what it is they need from you, Jesus, in this day. I ask all these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Well, stand up just for a second. Remain standing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to our passage of Scripture for today, which is Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. If you have your smartphone, grab it, pull out your Bible app, or if not, look at it. It'll be here on the screen for you. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I am not Scott Marshall. Hudson Marshall, who is down front today, reminded me that I am not his father. That is correct. I am Dave Curry, and I, with some other really good people, helped to lead our group's ministry, and uh, Scott and his family were out of town this week, and so Scott asked if I would share, and I will just tell you this journey that I've been on in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, I told Pastor LP this morning, I don't know, the, the congregation today might not get a thing out of it, but man, it's been good for me, it's been a really good journey. I've got a couple of disclaimers before I get started. Number one, I am a 54-year-old man who has been relatively healthy throughout all of my life. I have not been as empathetic to those who are sick and struggling with sickness throughout my life as maybe I should have been. And I was telling my wife 
Yesterday I said, well, I'm going to tell the congregation that, you know, I'm a little bit whiny after three or four days of being sick. And she said, check that. You're whiny after the first day of being sick. And that's fair. My second disclaimer to you is that I am absolutely not an expert on healing. But I want you to hear this. I do know the expert. We're going to talk about it today. Well, I don't know what you come into today in terms of your perspective on healing. You may think of healing. When you think of healing, you may think of a kind of a big-haired man down front who's asking for money on the TV and saying, if you send money, I'll send you a handkerchief that I prayed over and you'll be better. Your perspective on healing, uh, you know, may be something where the guy comes down front and puts his hand on somebody's head and smacks them and knocks them down. See, healing has gotten certainly kind of a bad rap in our day and probably for pretty good reason. Um, so I don't know how you think about healing, but what, I do, but what I want to say to you is no matter how you come into this morning, what your perspective is on healing, how you are feeling this morning, I don't know that either. Some of you are maybe right now dealing with an illness, a sickness, something, a diagnosis. Maybe some of you are living your best life ever. You feel better than you've ever felt before. Regardless of where you find yourself today, this morning, in this place, I think you will find yourself in this story that we're going to look at today from Luke chapter 5. Here's what I want you to hear, though. Today, if you are feeling broken, if you're sick, if you're dealing with a chronic illness, if you have a diagnosis, if you're dealing with a long-term injury that just won't heal, you are today the guest of honor in this place. We're in a series that Pastor Scott has been taking us through, which is the people that Jesus welcomes. And today we're going to talk about broken people. Well, if you're not that broken person, though, I don't want you to check out because there is a place for you in this story as well. Now, the story in Luke that we're looking at this morning is also mentioned in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and also the Gospel of Mark. Mark gives us just a few more details about this story. We know that Jesus was teaching in Capernaum. We find that out in uh, Mark. And we also know that where this passage in Luke says some men, uh, Mark tells us that there were four men. In all three of the uh, stories that we find in the Gospels, we do know this. Jesus is the lead character in this story. I do want to point out, just to get this set up for us, that four other groups of people that are represented in this story. If you look at verse 17, group number one. Now, these first two couple of groups are really maybe extras, if you will, in our story for today. The first uh, two being, the first one being in verse 17, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were sitting there. Well, that's our first group. That's the group of people that's going to be represented by the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They had come from all over, Scripture tells us. And then in verse 19, the second group of people that are going to be represented in this story 
is the crowd. Verse 19 says, when they could not find a way to get in to do this because of the crowd. Group number two and our groups of extras. Those are both kind of extras. We're going to talk about them in just a second. In verse 18, we're introduced to these four guys. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man. That's in verse 18. That's our third group of people that we're going to look at. And then they were carrying the paralyzed man, which he represents our fourth group of people today, our guest of honor, broken people. Two very important parts of the scripture that I want to just point out before we go much further. Verse 17 at the end. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. This is the power of Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is creator God power. Creator of heaven and earth, resurrection power is available to Jesus in that moment in his flesh because we know Jesus is Lord. That's a really important piece of this. And the second part that I want you to see that I find very interesting that we'll talk about in just a minute is in verse 20. The scripture says Jesus saw their faith. So the stage is set. We have the Pharisees and the teacher of the laws, and they're over here to this side. And Jesus begins to teach. The crowd is here. But then all of a sudden, there is this commotion where these young men begin to try to make their way through the crowd. And they lay at the feet of Jesus, this paralyzed man. They make their way up to the roof, and they take the tiles and they take them away. And the roofs during this time would have been thatched roofs with tile over the top. And so if you can imagine just for a second, Jesus is teaching. And all of a sudden, what comes falling down from the roof is thatch and mud and dirt. And Jesus is trying to teach in this moment. And then in front of him is a man laying on a mat. Four guys standing up above, still on the roof. And Jesus, who had the power of the Lord to heal the sick, says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Wait, 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 what? What? Your sins are forgiven? Can you imagine the four guys on the rooftop? They carried their buddy up to the roof, could not get through the crowd because he could not walk. The guy is still laying there and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And don't forget the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were not there for a good reason. They were not there to hear about Jesus. They were there to pick at him, to find something to pounce on him about. Can you imagine the story goes into slow motion right here? And you can just see these guys go, what? Your sins are forgiven. And these people over here, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they begin to go, wham! It is time. It is go time. They have figured out something now that they can get Jesus for because he has just said blasphemy over this person. 
your sins are forgiven. But then Jesus knows exactly what they're thinking. Can you think about the crowd? You're in the crowd. You've known this man. He's been part of your community. You know he's been sick. You know he's been lame. And you begin to go, your sins are forgiven. Do you not see him laying in front of you, Jesus? What in the world? But Jesus knows all of our need. He knows exactly what is going on in the hearts and the minds of the people. And he says to the people, to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and to you, the crowd, he says, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Why is it that you are thinking these things in your heart? But because I want you to know that Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Man, get up and walk. And then he says to the man, take up your mat and go. And the man left praising Jesus. Hey, give it up for these guys for helping out. Can you imagine the relief of the four guys? They're on the rooftop. The guy wasn't quite as light as Tyler. They had hauled him up to the rooftop on a mat, lowered him down, took the roof apart. Can you imagine their relief when Jesus healed the man of his physical ailment? See, Jesus understood his entire need, didn't he? First and foremost, he said, your sins are forgiven. But he knew exactly what we were thinking. So he gave a tangible something to grab onto. So then you go back to the word. One writer said this. I thought this was interesting with regard to uh, the whole idea of this story. He said, imagine if Jesus had failed. His ministry would be shattered. The crowd would slowly make their way out of the house. The scribes would smile and say, He can't heal or forgive. The four men would struggle to pull this paralyzed man back up out of the way. He then would also look more dejected and embarrassed than ever. The homeowner would look up at the roof and think, Man, this was all for nothing. See, the last verse that we see there, verse 26, says, Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. That's the point. For our good, for His glory. Praise to God. Well, which group would you say today, as you think about this story and the four groups that I've pointed out, which group do you identify most with? Think about that just for a second and Picture yourself, are you part of the crowd? Are you maybe at a place in life where you identify with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? You're just a little bit skeptical. You're sitting off to the side saying, I'm not really sure what this is all about. And in fact, it's maybe even a little bit of something of rubbish. Maybe you think that. Interestingly enough, today's date, March 19th, 2023, there was a 19th century preacher by the name of uh, Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon 
gave a message on March 19th, 1871, and his message was titled, Carried by Four. This is what he said about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These men were sitting by with critical eyes and hearts, ready to twist and pounce upon some word of Jesus. But get this, yet at least they were glad to have these people sitting by rather than not coming at all. Being in the way, the Lord may eat with them. If you go where shots are flying, you may be wounded one of these days. Better to come and hear the gospel from a low motive than to not come at all. If that's you today, Jesus welcomes you in this place. My encouragement to you my word to you would be, if you're in that place, if you identify with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, is to come on in and get off the bench. Join the crowd at least. No matter what's happened in your past, no matter what caused you to get to a place of skepticism, come on in. The second group, which is the crowd, I want to just make a point about this. When I was studying through this passage of Scripture, I thought about the crowd. See, the guys that were trying to get their buddy to Jesus couldn't actually get to Jesus because the crowd was in the way. And I thought about us as a church. Now, I, I will tell you, it doesn't mean they were all bad people. I'm not implying that at all. The crowd was full of people with needs, I am sure. The crowd was full of people that were curious about what was going on with this teacher, Jesus. But make no mistake about it, they were in the way of these guys. These guys had to make their way up to the roof to get in. And it made me start to think about one of our core values at Wichita First. The kind of people that we want to be is people who knock down barriers. It's important for us if we identify here in this situation with the crowd. We're just part of the crowd. We're just here and looking to see what's going on. It's important for us to realize that we might get in the way if we're not careful. I can imagine the mat coming up behind some of the guys and they weren't getting out of the way and they were just so in tune with what was happening up here that they didn't realize what was going on back behind them. So for us, if we identify with these extras in the story, I think it's important for us to realize that we might end up being a barrier to someone getting to the feet of Jesus. So pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on around us. Make sure that we are at least moving out of the way and saying, oh, your need might, might be much greater than mine. Come, get at the feet of Jesus. Then we move to this group of people represented by the four guys. These four guys. They had faith. They had confidence. You don't know much about these four guys. They don't say a word in the stories, but they believe in their very core that if they can just get their buddy to Jesus, something good 
is going to happen. So if you identify with maybe those four guys, maybe you know someone who is struggling with chronic illness. Maybe you know someone that just needs to get to the feet of Jesus. Here's my word of encouragement for you. Pay attention. Lean in. Be the faith for someone. Be their faith. Name them. See them. Empathize with them. Get close enough to them to feel their pain. Look around for those in our lives. We need to be those four guys. And then take action. Not words. Action. I think that's pointed out pretty well in this scripture. Charles Spurgeon said this also in that March 19th sermon. Tune into this. I am afraid that there are not many, even in a large church, who will become sick bearers. Many will say the plan is admirable, but they will leave it to others to carry it out. Remember that the four persons who join in such a labor of love, all of them to be filled with intense affection to the persons whose salvation they seek. They must be men and women who will not shrink because of difficulty, who will put forth their whole strength to shoulder the beloved burden and will persevere until they succeed. They need be strong for the burden is heavy. They need be resolute for the work will try their faith. They need be prayerful for otherwise they labor in vain. They must be believing or they will be utterly useless. Jesus saw their faith and therefore accepted their service. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Where shall we find such quartets as these? We need sick bearers. Now, to our guest of honor, if you find yourself really relating to this fourth group of people, the sick, the chronically ill, the diseased, just a few words for you. I mentioned early on that I think healing gets a bit of a bad rap and probably for good reason. So let me just give a couple of words about healing. First, a few bad words about healing. I take this out of a story in the Old Testament. If you go back and read the book of Job, you'll know that Job experienced quite the calamity in his life. And he had four buddies, four other guys that we're going to get bad teaching around healing from. The first thing that I would tell you is I believe that this is a really a bad teaching. You did something wrong so God is punishing you. In Job 15, we see his buddies basically saying this. Listen, Jack, Job, if you had not done what you have done, you wouldn't be going through this. That's a bad teaching. Rubbish. Don't believe that. The second bad teaching is you don't have enough faith or you still wouldn't be sick. That's a terrible teaching about healing. There was a gentleman I uh, grew up in, the, in a pastor's home, and so I got to see up close and personal 
different things over the years. And there was a gentleman who I will not name who started teaching in our church and wanted to really went toe-to-toe with my dad about this idea of if people just, he was teaching this concept, if people just had enough faith, they would be well. If you just had enough faith, you would feel better. If you just had enough faith, you wouldn't be dealing with this. He, he died of cancer. It doesn't seem to line up, does it? But when you're sick, when you're wrestling with chronic illness, this is an intrusive thought that I think sneaks in and maybe sometimes people even say. The third bad teaching I would say about healing is it must be God's will for me to be sick. If you believe that, if you buy into that, what you're theologically saying is this makes God the author of evil and suffering. I do not believe that. I believe those are bad teachings about healings. Let me give us three good words about, teach, uh, about healing. Number one, Jesus is the healer. Not me, not you. If you've had a chance to see the movie, The Jesus Revolution, Lonnie kind of got caught up in himself a little bit in that movie and started taking himself a little too serious. Lonnie was not the healer. He never was the healer. Jesus is the healer. Number two, I want you to hear this. I believe this. Jesus wants you to be well. In Jeremiah, we see these words, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. And in Matthew 6, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he says, pray this way. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What do we believe about heaven? There is no sickness. There is no dying. There is no disease. And Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the third point that I'll say about Good teaching around healing is that Scripture, the Word of God, says to ask for healing. James chapter 5, we see these words. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. But what about when Jesus doesn't raise you up off the mat? I had an opportunity this week, and I just want to tell you a story about a person that I was able to sit with for just a little bit this week, a friend of mine. And for about two or two and a half hours, this person uh, and I visited, and, and she was diagnosed at 18 with a chronic illness. For 26 years, she's battled this chronic illness day in and day out, and it's a hot mess. And she just shared with me through tears and, and just multitudes of emotions, was so gracious to share with me her story. She talked about the shame, the embarrassment when she was 18, a senior in high school, 
diagnosed, not knowing what it was until she was diagnosed, dealing with all these physical issues, an athlete. She was an athlete, played all the sports, was ready to go on to college and do all these great things, and then this diagnosis comes, and now for 26 years she's dealt with this. It gave me a glimpse into her situation in a way that I had not experienced. And she talked about just the constant fatigue. Waking up in the morning, not knowing whether or not she could even get out of bed. She talked about physical fatigue, mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, and frankly, spiritual fatigue. When I asked the question about what is your perspective then, because she is a believer, she is a person of faith, and she was gracious enough to answer this question, what do you think about healing? Again, through tears. I want to believe. I'm not sure, I guess it's for me. I want to believe in healing. And as she unpacked her story for me, as I sat with her and listened, it gave me this perspective on a person who might be dealing with some medical issue, some diagnosis, some disease for such a long time. And how it begins to erode away at our faith. And it made, actually made some sense to me, where it made sense where I could say, ooh, I could see how you might feel that way after such a long time. I had another experience later in the week with another friend of mine that's dealt with chronic illness. And some of the same kinds of things came out in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to believe, but... Maybe not for me. See, that's where I think we land in this story. See, when Jesus doesn't immediately raise us up off the mat, what do we do with that? We begin to wrestle with all of these questions. And this is where I think we find ourselves in this story. Because I think that it's important for us, those of us who have not necessarily wrestled with those kinds of things, to be the faith, to be the belief for that person. I think we play a role in their story by coming alongside of them and just doing everything that we can, maybe not with our words, but with our actions, just doing everything we can to introduce them to the person of Jesus again. To reintroduce them to the person of Jesus. But what about you who find yourself in this broken people category? What do you do? I, I want to give you just a couple of words that I think one is a word of permission and one is a word of encouragement. And the first word we don't use a lot I haven't, used, I haven't heard it used a lot, and the first word is lament. Lament. If you don't know what that word is, lament is a prayer 
searching for understanding and peace in the midst of suffering or disheartening circumstances. If you find yourself relating to these broken people, if you're one of these broken people, it's okay. The Bible tells us, we said, to ask. But while we're waiting, we're going to give permission to the people around us through a heart of compassion to lament, to pray a prayer for understanding. Psalm 6, the psalmist says this, My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? I am worn out from my groaning. All night, I, all night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. If you can't relate to that, Nestle up next to somebody that can, it will change your perspective. If you are that person, it's okay while you're waiting to lament. Psalm 30 says, 130, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. The second word that I want to give to you, if you fall into that category, and this word does not come in any way with a pointing of my finger, this is a word that comes out of compassion, and the word is trust. You say, well, that's easy for you to say, Dave Curry. You already admit it. You don't have much health issues. I don't say it in that way. I say it in this way. Who are we trusting in? Proverbs 3 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. See, I think it's important for us to get this piece where we begin to see Jesus through the lens of our circumstance that begins to skew the person of Jesus because I see it through my circumstance. I'm encouraging you today, if you find yourself in this category of people, to see your circumstance through the lens of Jesus, the person of Jesus whom we are trusting in. Samuel Rutherford was a 17th century preacher. He said it this way, trust God's Word and His power more than you trust your own feelings and experiences. Remember, your rock is in Christ, and it is the sea that ebbs and flows with the tides, not Him. Matthew Henry said, When I cannot feel the faith of assurance, I live by the fact of God's faithfulness. Trust in the person of Jesus. And let me just remind us all, who the person of Jesus is. A few things about Jesus. Number one, don't leave without this. This is for all of us. Number one, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. In Romans 8, 38, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved by Christ Jesus. The second thing, 
Jesus will not, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on in your life, I promise you this is truth, Jesus will not leave you. Jesus said that he would not leave us in Hebrews 13, 5. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I can only imagine that if you find yourself in the place of a broken person, sick and downtrodden and defeated, that it feels like Jesus has walked away. I can imagine that. He has not. He loves you. He will not leave you. And here's a really important piece. What happened in the stories of the Bible... Jesus said in Hebrews, this is what we get about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He has not changed. He loves you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is the same today that he was when these stories of the Bible happened And what that tells me is, just like we learned in today's passage of Scripture, that Jesus has resurrection power that is available to you today. To you, dear one, who is wrestling with a sickness. To you that has been wrestling with disease for so long. Resurrection power is available today and ultimately... Jesus is enough. We're going to end our service today. Uh, I'm going to invite the uh, Jenny and the team to come, and they're going to sing. We're going to have uh, Pastor LP and Pastor Brittany and a couple of others down here at the front. I have been praying, uh, as have many, Um, I think the story tells us that we as humans need, we really need something tangible to kind of sink our teeth into. And I've been praying this week for a tangible move of God in this place. I really want my friend that I talked to this week to be well. I, I told you early on, I'm not an expert in healing. I've got lots of questions, I'm sure, just like you do. I've heard stories. I've talked to people that have experienced healing. The scripture that kind of comes to my mind again today is that, Jesus, we've heard. We've heard of your great deeds. Would you do it again in our day? Would you meet the need of the sick person today in this place? Now the reality is some of us that have gathered today may not have a physical sickness. We may be very spiritually sick. And there is help for you as well. Just like we saw in today's story that Jesus forgave the sins and he will forgive your sins. We're going to open the altars. We're going to do it just a little different than maybe we do sometimes. Um, Scripture tells us to call the elders of the church together. I'm going to call on you. If you've been around this thing for a hot minute, 
and you believe that Jesus can heal. There are a lot of people in this place that may not be able to quite get there in their own belief. See, that's where I think the four guys come in. The four sick bearers. That's where we all have a place in this story for today. We can either be a sick bearer and be someone's faith for them. I don't know how that works. I don't. But I just know Jesus works. I believe Jesus is ready to meet your need today, whether it be spiritual sickness or whether it be a physical sickness. I believe it. I'm going to invite Pastor LP and Pastor Brittany and the other folks to kind of take their places. James says to come and ask the elders of the church to pray over you, to anoint you with oil. Oil representative of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to come to one of them. You can just come to the altar. You can come by yourself, or you can come with somebody in your life that has been a sick bearer for you. I'm going to pray a final prayer right now. The team is going to sing, and I would just ask that if you don't really need to pray here at the altars, that you would just kind of remain reverent and pray because people need Jesus today. And then as time allows and as you need to go, we won't stay all day, of course, but then you can just make your way out quietly. I just believe it. I just believe that Jesus wants to meet the need of people today. And honestly, if you're online, you do not have to be in this place because I can tell you, It's nothing miraculous about Dave Curry. It is Jesus who is the healer. He can meet your need online just like he can meet your need here. Let me pray for us and then we'll just go from there and kind of see where this thing goes. Lord Jesus, I am so hopeful that my words were filtered in a way that when they hit the ear of the hearer, you have met their need, you have helped them understand what it is that they need today, and that you've helped them understand how much you love each and every one of us in this place. Lord, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what you want to do in the lives of people, but I commit it to you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for your power, for your healing, and for new life. In Jesus' strong name I pray, amen.